everyone welcome to photography chat uh season two episode 21 we're gonna have uh, chris Wu on with us uh today um hope everyone is doing well and uh y'all are having a good week out there um hey steph how's it going we'll just get chris in here too hot to not have the fan on. Okay. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Chris to get in here and then we'll we'll get that fired up. Where's she at indeed? I don't know what it's like in Ontario right now, but it has been wicked hot in Vancouver. <laughs> um She's going to be coming here shortly. She just said that uh, her phone is doing an update. So, um, the joys of technology. Um, so she, she should be on with us soon here. Um, that was not hot there yet. Well, I heard it was like pretty hot today over there. I was talking to my boss out there and, um, he says pretty warm. I think it's like 28 in Vancouver right now, but I'm not a weatherman. I, I don't know what uh, what's what here. So hopefully she pops on soon. Just awkward holding it down. Um, holy shit. <clears throat> it's going to be 40 on Sunday. I don't know if I could handle that. My new place doesn't have air conditioning. And, uh, I've been dying, and it's only 25 today, so, um, yeah, hey, oh, there she is, <clears throat> thank goodness, I was, like, dying, trying to hold this down all on my own, and we got Jason, all right, come on, Chris, don't leave me hanging. Hello. What's up, JP? Well, she's she's in the thing here. I think we're having technical difficulties. Or uh, Chris is just trying to figure out how the internet works. Nothing's happening yet. I sent you an invite to join in the video, but um, I don't. I don't see you yet. Um, you can request. Maybe you try requesting. Maybe maybe it's on your end. It says you were unable to join. This is going to be a very short episode. Well, okay. How about you try requesting to be in the video and then. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. We'll get this. Uh, we'll get this figured out. There we go. I see your request. Technology. The technology work. Oh, holy shit! Computers can do that. <clears throat> Computers? Well, you're getting way too 
Way too fancy for me now, Merlin. Close this one now. All right. Were you trying to do it off of your computer? No, I must have done my computer because when I turned on my phone, it's like, Instagram's updating. I'm just like, why are you doing this? I have to go online. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm not one for technology. That's Murphy's Law, you know? Oh, that, oh, trust me. I know all about Murphy's Law. I like Steph's comment there. Uh, technology, is that you? It is. Oh. It is something. Hello, Internet is my other friend Chris's favorite thing to say whenever he calls me. He's just like, hello, is this the Internet? I'm looking for the interwebs there. I, I want to download the up updates. Can can you Google this for me? Yeah, I, I think Google can pretty much do everything. So it's especially infiltrate your home through technology. Oh, yeah, I have a Google Home Mini. It uh, it tells me what the time is and what the temperature is all the time. See, the Google and Alexa stuff wig me out just a little bit because, like, especially the Amazon stuff because, like, they have a whole system to, like, sell you stuff. And then Google's oh, yeah, just, sure. you know, totally all cool with, like, selling your info and, like, piping it into stuff. The Apple well, stuff I'm not, I'm not, like, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, What's the word I'm looking for? I, I know that, like, it's totally listening in all the time to, like, all the stuff that I'm doing. I'm not, I, I'm not, uh... <laughs> That's fair. I'm not, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't just, those, yeah, ones, no. those ones wake me out a little bit, so it's like, I don't have any of those, but I do have, like, the Apple, Apple stuff, and, um, because, like, what's Apple gonna try and do? Sell me more Apple stuff? Like, you know, they already got I mean, like, challenge accepted, but... Yeah, exactly, like, I mean, they, they've already got me nabbed. I, they already take all my money, so. How's your week been going? Do you see, by the way, Downtown Camera had, like, a small batch of, like, the Unicorn series, the FP100C. I saw it. I'm just like, I don't need it, need it, but I still kind of want it. You didn't buy one, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh my God. So, it's 100, it, was 100, it was, like, 150 uh, a pack or something. I'm just like, I can't. I can't stomach like that. Now, so here's the thing for people thinking that Downtown Camera was trying to rip people off. Um, their cost on the last batch was fairly high. So they're not really, at, at 150 a pack, they're not really making much money off of it, which is kind of insane to think. No, it's when another camera store, they will just get randomly like 10 cases of the film and then they'll sell out in like 10 minutes. And yeah. then all of a sudden, a, a three-letter acronym. You know, we just <laughs> forget about it. You know, we just won't. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Exactly. You know, we we won't we won't get into that. It's far too early to get into jumping into that that business there. But you know, <laughs> oh man, those guys just fucking jacking up the prices of everything. Them and Cat Labs. I haven't done anything with catalogs yet, but I, I've heard I heard that they're okay. I mean, they're okay other than they like jacked up the prices of Polaroid eight by ten shit by like a million fold. So. See, this is why I don't shoot eight by ten because I know I'm going to end up looking for like the Polaroid version of it, and then next thing you know, like even yeah. more money, my, even more of my money is just going to be gone. It's not cheap. It's not a cheap thing we get into. <laughs> like. 
I'm in way too deep and I don't even have a camera yet. Like, it's... Yeah. But soon, though, right, Marlon? Soon you'll get the camera on then. Yeah, I mean, God's willing. Like, we'll see. It was supposed to happen, but then the move cost me a lot more than I was expecting it to. So, um, that, uh, that ate into my, um, my budget for 8x10. Yeah. More money on yeast or film. <laughs> Why uh, stuff, money. It's definitely more money spent on film than yeast. I'll tell you that right now. Although trying to make your gluten-free sourdough bread was like quite the adventure. So I still have all your gluten-free uh, like uh, flours over here. <laughs> that just doesn't sound appealing at all. Uh, I thought it'd be a fun little adventure, and then it just ended up giving me a lot of a lot of headache and heartache. <laughs> yeah, that seems like an unholy thing to try and do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I was doing it for Steph, and, you know, I would do anything for Steph because she's, like, my Polaroid lover, so. Whoa, crazy. Apparently, um, fucking Jason Moore used to run a gluten-free sourdough bread business, so if you need tips on how to make gluten-free sourdough bread for Steph, you can reach out to uh, Mr. Jason Moore there, and he can... Jason uh, Moore? Jason Moore Film? Jason I will probably be reaching out to you. He's the OG. That's where it, it all started with Jason. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he was the very first episode of Photo Chat, but I think we talked about Nicolas Cage more than we talked about photography. Because, um, yeah, it, it just got really silly. We ended up just talking about ridiculous movies more than we did about photography. So That's amazing. I love it You already. can have a redemption episode soon where we'll actually get into photography stuff and less Nicolas Cage this time around. I mean, I guess, but where's the fun in that? Well, I mean, I would just have to start another series. Like, you know. What, what, photography like, chat, movie chat, Nick Cage chat. Caged Mondays. <laughs> just gonna call it cage match all of a sudden, or no? It's just all it's all cage all the time. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. We got this mighty peril in there. What's up, man? <laughs> um, did you hear about oh, John Travolta instead next time? I don't know, but well, yeah. I mean, there there is there is an intersection between Nicolas Cage and John Travolta because of Face Off which is like one of the most magnificent movies ever created. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to, like, sully my, my vision of who I am to Jason Moore film. I mean, like, I'm already at Lost Cause with you, but, like, I don't think I've seen uh, Face Off yet, so. Oh, my God. Okay, so Face Off has the most ridiculous premise ever. Nicolas Cage plays Caster Troy, one of the most infamous, violent like mastermind criminals ever in in the world and uh i can't remember john travolta's character's name um but castor troy ends up in a coma and they need to like um get information from his little brother pollux but he's in a coma so they can't get it and people are gonna die if they don't get this information so they swap the face off of John Travolta, who's like this top cop that's been like, you know, fighting against Nicolas Cage's character because he killed Nicholas, or he killed John Travolta's kid. And John Travolta never forgave Nick Cage for that. 
So they do this face swap so that John Travolta can become Nicolas Cage's character to go get this information from his little brother Pollux. And oh yeah, and they have Super Mario boots on in the prison where they're like magnetic boots. And um, <laughs> like the whole thing is like fucking super like ridiculous. And then Nicolas Cage wakes up from his coma and has no face and freaks out about it. And so there's like a scene where there's like a faceless Nicolas Cage like smoking a cigarette while he like gets his goons to come uh, fucking uh, get the the doctor to do the face swap so that Nicolas Cage can have John Travolta's face and then assumes John Travolta's life. So then John Travolta ends up being stuck as the criminal Nicolas Cage while Nicolas Cage the criminal gets to be like the the, the law guy uh, John Travolta. And, like, he's got this line where his, like, daughter's, like, something, like, weird with you? And he's, like, don't worry, Papa's got a brand new bag. Like, he's just a total fucking creep in in the whole thing. Like, you know, it's just John Woo did the directing of it. So there's lots of, like, doves flying during... Sorry, wait, John Woo directing it. You already know you got the double guns going and, like, like, the action happening. Totally has a double gun. Like, that's the thing. So his, like, fucking, the guns that he has, he rocks these, like, two gold, like, fucking pistols that he wears in this, like, butterfly rig and, like, his back. And just, like, yeah. It's insane. And there's just, yeah, the whole, the double gold guns is just so good. Um, That's, like, John Woo's signature is, like, the double guns. And, like, every movie I see, it's, like, just, like, you you gotta bust them out. I swear that, I swear that's what it is. Yeah, you got to have the, the double guns, the, the birds flying everywhere, um, the gratuitous violence. and then Usually like, a toothpick in the, in the mouth is usually one of them as well, like toothpick or cigarette. You got to have something. So you have yeah. an oral fixation. Yeah, total oral fixation. And then, um, yeah, it has this ridiculous one where um, the criminals think that, like, the fake Nicolas Cage is the real Nicolas Cage. And so he's, like, doing drugs with these guys, and they're all tripped out. And he's like, what's your plan? And he's like, I want to get that guy, and I want to take his face off. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you're crazy, man. <laughs> like, the, this, the, is the, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. And his brother, Paul, yeah, I watch this movie now. Still, still to this day, my, my little brother does this whenever we hang up the phone. But Nicolas Cage's brother, Pollux, does this thing where he's like, Bye bye, bro. <laughs> whenever, I up, whenever I hang up the phone with my little brother, that's like he's always like, bye bye, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we are. That's the thing. Nicholas Cage is infectious. This is how it happened the first time because we got onto like Face Off and then Con Air and stealing the Declaration of Independence, and, you know, just... <laughs> Jason Moore, you're right, we did start talking about Nick Cage all of a sudden. That's like, you made that comment earlier. It's like, uh, I guess it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, it's a thing. When, once once it starts, it, it's hard to stop. Um, did you see the stuff floating around the internet um, this week, last week, of a guy getting more than packs he was supposed to from Polaroid and Polaroid asking. Oh, asking for like the money back or asking for like, oh, did you get yeah, more like... film than you could have? Like so... what? Who's going to admit to like this? Like, oh yeah, I totally got more film for sure. Let me send it back to you. 
if you're gonna go watch Con Air, you gotta put the bunny down, Jason. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, yeah, like I don't. It, apparently, the dude did send the the film back, which it poses an interesting question. If you got more than you were supposed to, would you would you send it back? Would you admit it, or would you be like, no, I, I just got what was supposed. To, I got the film I was supposed to get. So, I don't know, part of me is like, I probably would because I, I, I'm unfortunately honest to a fault sometimes. So, like, I, I do this thing every um, couple of months, it comes out. There's a, a thing in Toronto called Society of Beer Drinking Ladies, and they do, like, they've been doing, like, mystery boxes lately. And mm-hmm. so, like, one of these, like, mystery boxes that they had, I just got, like, the artisan box because I have, like, way too much booze, like, off to the side that I'm not going to show you because it's embarrassing. And they ended up sending me like the um, the the full kit with like all like nine things of beer. I'm just like, okay, so I could be honest and tell them that like, hey, you sent me beer when you weren't supposed to, or I could just kind of keep it and not say anything. But I ended up like emailing them and being like, hey, so I was supposed to get like the artisan box, but you sent me the full package. Um, I would feel bad if I took beer away from somebody that needed beer, especially during this this yeah. fun times. And they just told me just to keep the, they just told me just to keep like the beer. It's like, oh, thanks for being honest. But like, yeah, you just keep it this time. Because I think the process of trying to give it back would have been like, would have well, been like too like hectic. But. That, so that's what I wondered with, with the whole thing was um, how, how desperate is Polaroid right now that they're asking for like a pack of film back from some rando dude. Like, the cost of shipping and all that effort to get one pack of film back. And, it's like, they can't sell it as fresh because it's been, like, in transit and all that. Said, so yeah. What the hell happened to it on the way to do the dude and what's going to happen to it on the way back? It's just, like, why not take the L on that and just be, like, congrats, you got an extra pack of film. That's what I was wondering, too. Like, because, like, I feel like it would have been, like, a better, like, almost a better PR move for them to be, like, hey... We accidentally, we noticed that we accidentally said you some extra film. Don't worry about it. It's on us. Happy shooting. Like, to me, that would have been, like, a much, like, less effort, like, thing to do. But yeah, perhaps this is the reason why I'm not, like, in business. I'm terrible at business. Yeah. I, I, had, <laughs> me too. I had a business once, and it did not do very well. <laughs> uh, I've never, I've never tried business because I knew that would just end terribly for me. I'd be like, oh, I feel bad. No, don't worry about it. Just yeah, take I'm, it. It's okay. I'm about as effective in business as like three kids in a trench coat would be. Like, I'm not... I'm oh, not no. Did you see that Clone High episode when they had three kids in a trench coat playing basketball? Because like... <laughs> no, but <laughs> it, it, made me, it always makes me think of uh, Lady Caroline when she's dating those kids in the trench coat in BoJack Horseman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's um, awesome. Jeffrey says that he's never heard of companies asking for stuff back when there's a mistake like that. I agree, it is kind of odd. Like, says keep the film. I, you know, I'm gonna plead the fifth on this one because I still order from Polaroid and I want to be in their good graces. <laughs> See, that would have been much smarter if I thought ahead, but like, uh, <laughs> I all the time. I don't know. Like it, it seems, it seems, it just seems like a strange situation, and it kind of makes me wonder whether or not there's something else that was kind of going on in the background. Yeah, that's what that's so. what I kind of wondered. Is like you know, that that has to happen in in supply chain sometimes, where where stuff like that gets mixed up, 
and yeah there's got to be more to that story there or it must have been like a lot of film maybe like i don't know like i could understand if they're like hey you ordered like four packs of film but we accidentally set you four boxes of film could See, you... that's that's a very different like picture being painted because it was like four boxes as opposed to like four packs and i'd be like totally be like i get it i get why you want your film back that yeah, makes a lot more sense and I would be like, I didn't get it. I think Amazon stole it. Meanwhile, I, on the side, you just like sell it. Yo, I got this discount Polaroid. You want some Polaroid? Kid? <laughs> just in the trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> just in the streets in the dark alleyways. Like, hey, you want to buy some? You want to buy some Spectra? <laughs> Yo, you like instant film? <laughs> <laughs> you want some SX seventy? I got some SX seventy color and black and white. <laughs> Remo stuff. Yeah, it's like oh, I got some, I got some time zero. Oh man, it's just like perfect. <laughs> just give me all your money. This was one of the crates that BFC didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah. tell him I said that. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's I. I mean. I definitely have said disparaging things in the past, and I will not rescind on those because I just don't like the idea of price gouging and just making yeah, it no, for sure. more, more expensive for everyone to get into it. I get like capitalism and all that and like, you know, it's just sort of like a shit result of the societal construct we live in but like, I mean, there, there's making a living and then screwing people over. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how did you get into this addiction of instant film? Oh man, how did I get into it? Um, much like anyone gets into addictions of these type of things, somebody gave me a free camera. It's like, you know, the first one's always free. That's yeah. kind of how it kind of started. So like my buddy, uh, Jamie, was just like, like getting close to a decade ago, if not, if not a decade ago, he had like an extra like uh, Polaroid. He's like, oh, here you go. I have like two of these like, uh, Sun 600 like Polaroid camera, just like the regular pop top one. Here, why don't I, I'm gonna give it to you. You can have fun. Um, and he also said to me, and I remember this. He's like, as soon as I said like, you know, I got it. I said thank you. He's like, oh, by the way, you never know. You don't know how good you had it prior to this moment. And I didn't really know what he was talking about at the time. And then I think about all the money I've spent on instant film and like all the gear that I bought. It's like, huh? Yeah, he was onto something. Definitely onto something with me. You said that to me. Then no, I started like, like uh, like I said about like a decade ago. Frank gave me like a free camera, and I started just kind of playing around with it. And I just liked the idea of just like taking this like snapshot and just having it be like this one moment in time that's like can't really change. It just is what it is. And I liked like giving it away. I just like how it kind of turned out because it never. I don't think any ploys I've ever taken has ever turned out the way I wanted them to turn out, I guess. Um, but, like, they're still kind of, like, magical and still kind of, like, lovely all at the same time. And it's like, okay, well, I still kind of like it, so, you know, little yeah, thing, so. So, like, two things there. The money thing is a, is a weird one. So, like, someone asked me once how much money I've spent on photography since I got back into it, and I started crunching it in my head, and then... I was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> like, even when I look at my film fridge, I'm just like, that's a, 
that's so much money. That's what did you do? Why did you do that? Um, but then on the inside, like on it not being perfect, um, it's always interesting. Hey, Danielle. Um, it's always interesting when people complain about the quality of Polaroid, like they're expecting some magnificent piece of perfection every time they push the button. When it's kind of like usually a colorful turd at best. That but is you the best to love... yeah. yeah, but you learn to love the turd and you get used <laughs> to the thing and you get this used is my like... colorful turd that I have produced. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you get Let used... me take a photo of it and put it on Instagram now. <laughs> exactly. If you want perfection, use your fucking camera phone and you know, whatever, stare at it there. Um but if you want something with character, use a Polaroid. Um, yeah, because, like, I mean, I've been disappointed more than super happy with most of the shots I've taken, but it hasn't stopped me from burning thousands of dollars on Polaroid. Yeah, I don't want to think about how much money I've spent on Polaroids. <laughs> like, even when I think to, when I first started using the Crack and Peel, like, the FP100C, because I did that, like, years after I got the, like, the, uh, the 600 film, I got, like, I went to, like, film photography project, and I got, like, um, just, like, one of their, their, uh, Bellows camera that took, like, the 100C film, and I remember, like, using it, and I'd be like, oh, this is kind of fun, this is kind of exciting, and I remember I went to, like, a wedding, because I was, like, second in a wedding with, uh, with Alex Lauks, and I was, like, just, like, taking these fil- these pictures, and I'm just, like, oh, yeah, whatever. Here, take a photo of this moment, and I just, like, give it to people. And I think to myself, it's, like, at that wedding, I probably gave, like, in, like, now money, like, probably, like, $200 worth of that film. And that, at the time, I w- didn't really think about it, because it's, like, oh, at this moment, this is, like, a fun thing that I'm doing. It's, like, a fun little quick portrait that I can give somebody. I gave, like, probably 20, at least 20, like, pictures to like to people just because like it was a wedding and I was just like giving them away like candy so but yeah when I think about the amount, amount of money I've spent on the film not even the camera it's just like the film it's uh it breaks my heart a little bit but at the same time like I wouldn't have changed the thing <laughs> well yeah it, it's the, like how much is the pleasure you've gotten out of it been worth I've gotten a lot of pleasure out of taking taking photos using instant cameras for some reason um, yeah. I think part of it is because it's like, like you said, it's like a colorful little turd <laughs> that makes me smile. <laughs> I mean... But I do get a lot of pleasure out of it. I mean, like, same, the same camera with like the F100, like 100C camera, like probably about like five, six years ago, I went to Pride and I took a bunch of photos using both like the Instax, um, the 600 like film and just like the big, kind of like my bigger one, using 100, 100F the FP100C, and just like, oh, this is just kind of like fun, take photos and just give them away. And that's why I do like a lot of my pictures, especially back then, that I would just use, take a photo, like, oh, here you go, have a keepsake, have fun with this, and I don't know what they do with it. But... So I have a lot of joy just like kind of taking pictures and just like seeing like some people just kind of get excited by it sometimes. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Like that's, I thought about selling my fp stash because like i can i could do well with it (laughs) (laughs) but that's your retirement money merlin well i mean it would be a pretty like short retirement but (laughs) (laughs) 
it might get me a flight somewhere. Um, but it's just like, once it's gone, I, I can't shoot it. I can't, I'm not going to pay 150 bucks a pack to shoot it. Um, I'm not saying don't pay that. Like if, if people are out there and they see that deal that uh, downtown camera has, or like when Brooklyn film camera needs to extort people with more money. Um, if you've never experienced it, by all means, if you have the disposable funds to do it, go for it. Because I feel for people who have an interest in photography, um, it's something that you should experience at least once. For like, sure. You know, but then it's all, it's a slippery slope because once you experience it, it's like fucking black tar heroin. You're like, give me more of it. I want all of it. And then it just kind of consumes It's like Jamie said to me, the first time's always free. And then like, you just like, you just crave it. You, you do. And so I've just I've decided to just keep it and use it. Um, I give away a lot of portraits. That's usually what I use that P100 for. Yeah. Is usually strangers too. I've given it to a lot of strangers. Like, yeah. Because it makes me happy. And people get all stoked about it too. When you do the peel apart, they're like, oh my God, like mind blown. And it's like, this is probably older than you are. <laughs> I do like the crack and peel. I mean, like, that sound just kind of like um, with, like, one of my 35mm cameras, like, when you, when you shoot, when you click the shutter, and you just hear that, like, machine gun-like sound. Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> like the sound of, like, you know, crack and peel is, like, oh, so lovely. It really is lovely. All right. Let me try and get you a shot here. I don't know how that's well that's gonna turn out because I got a lovely like top light going on right now. So yeah, we'll see how it turns out. I don't have film loaded in my F five, so I can't do my usual um take a film shot of the thing. So and since you are such a lover of Polaroid, I figured I, mean, I feel like this is pretty fitting, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's the round frame too. Did you get on the round frame kick? So I missed the first like string of it that happened but then like i ordered from uh polaroid recently so i got one thing of round frames and one thing of like the dual chrome like yellow nice. so i'm going to like play mm. with those at some point but like once again just like the fp100c i'm like i'm kind of precious right now because it's like well i only bought like one box at the time because i don't know why so yeah that's some that's yeah. some restraint because like you probably paid more in shipping than you did on the two packs of film <laughs> minor detail minor detail don't worry about that don't worry about that. <laughs> That's the thing. Okay. So I, I, bought, I bought regular like iType film too, just to kind of like. As a fellow Canadian, how do you feel about how much it sucks to ship things in to Canada? A little part of me um, breaks apart every single time I buy something from the States sometimes. I know, right? Like, I just ordered jason lee's new book and the shipping was almost as much as the fucking book was and it That's just it bummed me out you mentioned iType though um what's your favorite iType camera well i only have the one iType camera i only have like the the one step two or whatever okay. That's the only iType camera i have how do you like the one Although, 
Although I might be upgrading it um, at the end of the year to like, what is it? The Polaroid Now is like the newer of the ones. Not the Polaroid Go, um, but the Polaroid Now I think is like the, the newest of like the bigger format. So the, the Now is pretty much the same as the two, except you don't have to worry about the focus toggle. It okay. does have its own. That's really the only difference between the Now and the two. Um, if you like eye type <clears throat> and you've gotten used to fucking with the focus toggle, um, the One Step Plus is definitely worth checking out because okay. it's got all of the sexy like Bluetooth features. So you could go like control it from your phones to do like full manual and remote control stuff and um, control like multiple exposures and stuff with it. Um, That's fun. And the Now <laughs> doesn't have that yet. <clears throat> They haven't done a refresh of the One Step Plus yet. So with the One Step Two, I did see from the YouTube that there is a way that you can do like multiple exposures on like just like the One Step Two. It's actually you you click the you click the button, you turn it off, and then you turn back on. And you can take another photo. So I play around with that a little bit, but yeah, I guess you have to like try and turn it off though before it starts ejecting. Yeah. Um, really quick with it. There's been a couple of, of misses when I tried to do that, but then I just get a delightful, delightfully uh, underexposed uh, photo. That's fair. But, yeah. yeah. Um, if you are looking for a one-step upgrade, I, I would definitely check out the Plus. Yeah. Marielle's also agreeing with the uh, with the one-step Plus. Yeah, so the, the now is kind of more like it's a it's a, like a lateral upgrade to what you have today fair yeah no that's fair so you okay there buddy well it's just i have my like window and door open because it's really hot here <clears throat> and i think someone like crop dusted me from like next door because it just like got a little bit for a second there <laughs> the cut this is a little awkward all of a sudden yeah yeah sorry what were you gonna say I was about to ask you, speaking of Polaroids and uh, an inst and iType, which I think is probably going to be an iType, Polaroid Go. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think it's great. I will likely end up buying one sooner than later. Um, I know a lot of people are super pissed and upset about it. And um, I mean go for a walk or something, draw, paint some, like, happy little trees. I don't know. Like, if if a tiny little camera and a new film type get you that upset, maybe this isn't for you. Um, yeah. I, I think it's good, though, because it could possibly open up Polaroid to a larger addressable market than people like us who are very demanding and you know, persnickety about um, spending money. Um, but I think the Go is good because they're they're trying to go after that Instax mini market. That's true, it's yeah. Higher, it's still a higher price point than Instax mini is, but it's another option. Um, then there's all, like, the conspiracy theories out there that they killed Spectra to make Go because, like, it looks very similar to how Spectra was formed um, so everyone's like, 
boo go it killed spectra it's just like <sighs> spectra's dead just let it go now i mean all of us love spectra spectra's great but it's never coming back you know it's yeah it's, it's like a bullet uh, to the heart man right there yeah like it, it's it's well, I'd say it's gone to pasture like pack film, but like there are options where you can still buy stuff to shoot pack film cameras. So even pack film outlived Spectra. So, like, Which is uh... interesting, actually, when you think about it, because pack film like went away, what, like? 2018 was the last production run of FP100. Yeah. Oh, so it's not that long ago, actually. I thought it was a lot longer ago. It's so they, they announced it like a long time ago. Probably. So they killed black and white, I think, in 2015 was when they killed black and white. Okay. And they killed um, the FP100C in 2018. That was, like, the last part. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. <clears throat> so it felt like it was, like, a while ago, but... Yeah, I mean, they probably killed it a lot earlier than the last production run because, like, usually they'll just make a bunch of volume and then shut things down, so... Um, but that's why I hate Fuji. Uh, JP says that he got the Polar Go, but hasn't shot it yet. It's very small and cute. And I think it would be a fun camera for, like, just giving away photos to people. So if that's, like, something that you like doing, just having something like that, where it's not as expensive per frame like an iType or a 600 camera or SX-70. Um, yeah, and I think, like, <clears throat> from a Polaroid perspective, it's really good, too, because if it opens them up to a larger market, then they're going to get more money in, which hopefully means they're not going to ask people to send film back by accident um, and also <laughs> have money for, like, research and development and stuff like that um, so that possibly in the future maybe they will release, like, a pro I-type camera or something like that that has, like, um, you know, autofocus and a glass lens and, like, you know, all these like interesting features and stuff. So I think the Go is great. Um, yeah. What do you think about it? So at first I was like one of those people that was like kind of like against it. But then like the more I thought about it, like you said, like it makes a lot of sense. They're trying to get into that Instax market. So it makes sense they want to have like something that's like smaller and it's like a little bit cheaper to, not necessarily cheaper, but just like a little bit cheaper for us to like kind of like, to, to buy and to like to give out and so before I was like more kind of like oh I don't really know how I feel about this but like now now I'm pretty much like well I do like Polaroid and I do like the idea of having small and compact like like the like the Instax Mini so I'm kind of for it but I'm I'm just still hesitant to like um to buy um to buy it right now so I'm probably gonna end up getting it maybe like maybe instead of like the one step plus or the one step uh, plus, maybe I might end up getting like. Uh oh, you froze. Yeah. So you're back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's kind of like where where I'm at with it. I, I'm probably going to end up getting it, but I just don't know when I'm going to give them my all of my money right now. <laughs> just take my money. It's fine. The girl who shoots film says, totally, I hope they sell a lot of their modern products so they can continue funding the O2 products and hopefully improve the formula. 
I mean, they are always improving the formula. So like where the color formula is today is like leaps and bounds from where it was a couple years ago. Um, 100%. Although I still get the occasional like bad pack. Like yeah, even like it, recently, but. It, yeah, it totally happens. Um, but also like if you've ever shot original Polaroid, don't ever expect to have those kinds of results anytime ever because like the yeah. chemicals that were used in OG Polaroid um, are not safe for today. Like a lot of them are like, you know, banned in like China and India even, which have fairly relaxed environmental standards. Um, so the likelihood of the Netherlands letting them um, use chemicals like that with like the extremely strict and rigorous environmental regulations that the Netherlands has um, it's very doubtful that we see that. Like they would, they would have to build a factory in some sort of hellscape that doesn't give a shit about anything to, you know, get the OG formula back. For sure. I mean, like I, like you said, the color is a lot better now than it was like even like a year ago. I find like it yeah. is a lot better now. Um, and like uh, like Jana said, it is like more quicker as well. I do find that that as well. That is like it's a little bit quicker. It's a little bit more consistent. Um, so I, I do kind of like that. Um, but for some reason, there's still like when you think of like like the Instax and like the and the Mini, I still find that those colors have always been like kind of like on point. So I'm not really sure what where the discrepancy is, but I still like the Polaroid. Even even with the colors when they're not 100% perfect, I still like the results of like what it is that I'm shooting. So. Well, it's so, like, it's a real apples mm -hmm. to oranges comparison between, like, Polaroid and Instax. Because Instax, it never, they never stopped producing it ever since they started it. So they've had the That's ability true. to stay with a consistent formula since day one. They've got their supply chain on lock for having those chemical compounds that make up Instax so that they can continue to have it be consistent. It also behaves differently from regular Polaroid too, which is if, if you're going to mess with it um, on like loading Instax film into other like camera types, um, you have to load it a little bit differently. So it's like Polaroid exposes from the front, but yeah. Instax actually exposes from the rear. So the negatives on, on the back and it bring, it pulls the image through to the front. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that that's a big difference between pol because like when a, when the Polaroid frame is inside of the pack, it's sitting face up, so you're exposing the front of um, of the pack. But on an Instax, they're actually reversed, and so they come oh. out backwards. Yeah. So really if cool, you try, yeah. So if you try and load like if you have a TLR, a lot of TLRs you can actually fit an Instax mini frame into um, the TLR. Um, or you can take like four by five and you can fit Instax wide into a four by five holder and shoot it on that. Um, flip it around to the back. Otherwise you're going to waste a shot and be very, very sad about it. Um, but yeah, like Instax, like Fuji's had years to like, you know, get their uh, chemical formula locked down for Instax, whereas like impossible, they had to start from scratch because... Um, and then they like reverse engineer everything? Yeah, like they, they literally had to start from scratch because um, they didn't have 
the original formulas. And even when they did finally track down IP from Polaroid, um, Dr. Land was so insanely secret squirrel about everything that um, the formulas were like the compounds for the formulas were all sort of in code. So like they had the formulas, but they were code names. So they didn't actually know what the chemical compounds were. And um, Dr. Land liked to spread the wealth. And so he didn't buy all the chemicals from like big, massive uh, chemical companies. He supported like a small, a lot of smaller manufacturing companies to create the compounds for him. And a lot of those companies um, don't exist anymore. So it's like, they really were up against a wall when they were trying to recreate the film in 2008 because they they literally had to recreate it from scratch, which is why originally they never called it Polaroid film. They called it Polaroid compatible film. That's true, yeah. Yeah, because it isn't Polaroid film at all. It's, it's completely different. Like, you know, they, they had to go with um, less frames in the pack because the Mylar coating on the front here yeah. They couldn't get someone to make it as thin as it is in the original Polaroid. So because the Mylar coating is thicker on this one, they can't fit 10 frames in a pack. They can only fit eight. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting, like, the work that went into this. And so it's just, like, I, I kind of cringe when, when people complain about, like, how awful it is because it's just, like, do you understand though how much work went into this so that you can you could have pushed that button and complain about how awful of an experience you had? Like there's so much magic in this moment that you're upset about. <laughs> so this kind of makes me <laughs> so it makes me actually kind of like more appreciative of like of the film because I knew about like there was a lot of work that went through. I just didn't know the um, the depth of how much effort went into making it. I knew there was like a lot of work that went into it, but just like hearing you explain like why there's eight instead of like 10 frames because like i always heard that was just because like of the battery issue where they couldn't put a battery in the thing because like not not a battery issue at all because like they're using the same batteries that the polaroid was effectively like so there's no real difference there um so the batteries weren't thicker um in like with iType, you know they ended up making iType. there's no battery in that so like they could have totally it more in there um but maybe that's like trying to keep it compatible with everything else also fun fact for kitties out there wanting to get into polaroid and have bought an i-type camera and then come across some vintage film that you're all excited to stuff into your i-type camera and shoot um it's got 10 shots in it not eight but your camera will only recognize eight because that's the way it's designed um, so the last two could possibly be a waste, but hang on to your dark slide because you could get those two frames back by going into a dark room or if you have a dark change bag, take the cartridge out, put the dark slide back into it, and then put the cartridge in, and then you can fire off those last two shots. That's pretty smart, actually. I didn't think about shooting uh, 600 into like an I-type before, actually. I never thought about that, actually. So. Yeah, so it, it's fairly common, like, if you want to, like, because there was some 600 types that were only made for 600 um, that weren't made for I-type. But then there's also a bunch of I-type that's not made for 600. So 
Um, you can shoot that in your 600 if you hang on to your old cartridges. Um, get a dark bag, or if you have a very, very dark room that you can go into, like dark, dark, like no light leaks. Like if you have like, say a dark bathroom, but there's like a little light under the thing, roll up a towel and stuff it under the door. Um, but you can buy I-type film. And if you have a um, an, an empty battery cartridge from a 600 film, you can take the film out of the I-type and reload it into that 600 and use it in there. You just have to be very ginger with it because you don't want to, um, you don't want to pop the pods when you're yeah. manhandling it. And then also you got to watch out for your sweaty hands because this is, this has fucked me over a couple of times when I'm doing like the awkward fondling inside of the dark bag is I've gotten my sweaty hands on, on the front here and then the frames will stick to each other and oh. lock the camera because your meat paws have just sweated them all up and made them all sticky. So you got to watch out for that. Um, but you can totally shoot I-type in 600 or if you want to be a fancy person you can just buy one of those like i-type battery kits that are floating around on the internet there where you can graft a battery onto a 600 camera and then you can just like throw i-type cartridges in yeah lots of different options for you lots of them or if you have like a box camera like a 600 camera uh like any of the sun cameras and stuff like that it's super easy to graft a battery onto it because the back plate where um, the strap connects to, you can just pop that off and the battery connectors are right there. So you can just like, oh, really? tack on leads so that you could hook up an external battery on the 600 cameras. Huh. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun to actually do a little bit of a little electrical, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Experiment. Do some MacGyvering. Yeah, a little bit of MacGyvering. See what happens. Yeah. What's the worst that'll happen? Game of uh, I mean, you could break a camera, and that, that's probably about it. I don't know if that's the worst. I mean, I have a lot of cameras up there right now, so... <laughs> a lot of broken cameras, or...? Uh, I only have one broken camera, and funny enough, my one broken camera is my Instax Mini right now, because I dropped it, but I dropped it on the front. So, that's my oh, only sure. broken camera right now. Which Insex Mini do you have? Just like it's like the Mini like 6S or something, 7S or something like that. So it's like it's a pretty old one. But it's, it's time to upgrade probably then. Yeah, I'll upgrade it eventually. The question now turns into do I upgrade a new Instax or do I upgrade to like the, the Polygo? That's a fun little camera you got there. What you got there? This is a Zorky. Oh, look at that. Fun little. Yeah, it's the only thing I have film loaded into right now. So I'm just trying to get a shot of you here. Yeah, that should do it. Okay. It's a fun little one. It's like a Russian Leica ripoff. So it's um. So why it's a red button on top as opposed to a red button on the front? Well, this is just off of Amazon. It's just like a softer thingy. Um, Yeah, it's a Leica 3 ripoff from like the 50s, I think. Um, 
it works like a hot damn though. Like I've put a bunch of rolls in it since I got it. They ripped off the the lens too. So this is like a rip off of like a Leica Elmar 15 millimeter. Oh yeah, for uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, and some people have said that like some of the Russian rip offs, depending on the manufacturing time, are almost better quality than some of the Leica ones, which I'm sure Leica bros don't like hearing. Um, they probably don't love it when you say that. Yeah, it's like my Russian knockoff is better than your your expensive German camera. <laughs> but it's been pretty fun. I traded my F3 uh, for this and a Texas Leica right before I left Toronto. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think you showed me your your Texas Leica when that when you showed me when because we went for a walk right before you left. Yeah, I took a picture of you with it. Yeah. Which I need I to send because I finally did get that film back. So, but I have not sent it to you yet. So. I still owe you a photo too. <laughs> yeah, you so. you took those pack film shots that you never scanned yeah. and sent me. Much sad. Well, we'll we'll talk after this. So we'll get each other's addresses and then we'll we'll, we'll have a mail day. We just gotta. You could just email me a scan. It's cool. Okay, I'll email you a scan. There you go. Um, do you have any like photography projects that you've been working on at all, or that I've been working on? No, yeah. um, I have a couple of projects like kind of like on the go right now, like that I'm like been like ruminating about. Um, so one of them I told you about is like the, the the portrait project where I want to take like portraits of like people that are like that are like influential or just people that like have meaning to me, and that's kind of what I want to do. I want to take about. Ideally, I want to take between like twenty to fifty shots, but that's a lot of that's a lot of Polaroid. Um, but I think I'd want to try to get as much as I can, anyways. And like you said, like once you shoot it and once you use it, then you use it, right? So, and I feel like this is like a good reason to use that film. So I want to be able to do that. So I got the Polaroid project, which I'll the portrait project, which I would do at some point. Now that things seem to be lightening up, you know, knock on wood. Um, so that's like one of the projects I kind of have on the go. Um, the other one that I was thinking about doing, I so I had this project that I was thinking about doing like about three years ago. Um, I want to call it kind of like like the subway project or the TTC project. And what I want to do, I want to take a Polaroid of like the inside of every station and like the outside of every station. And that's kind of like one of the projects I wanted to do for like a while, but it takes, it's just going to take time and like a lot of coordination to make sure I can actually do it. So, and that one, it'll get done at one point. I just don't know when. So those are kind of the two projects. You might be able to get it done just in time to like photograph the Eglinton LRT line. <laughs> now, now let's not get my hopes up too much with that. <laughs> It's only been under construction for like three years. No, it's been under construction for longer than that. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I was in Toronto for like over four years and they started construction <laughs> before I moved there. Shit, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. Don't <laughs> so worry about it. For people on the chat that are not from uh, Toronto or the greater Toronto area, the Eglinton LRT project has been like a shame of the public transportation system in Toronto because it's like how many years overdue and over budget and 
It should have um, only taken, I think what I, from what I remember, they said it was only going to take like two to three years to like yeah. do. And it's like, yeah, it's like you're like six or seven right now, I think. Yeah. And it's like it tore up like a main street that bisected most of Toronto for like the last six years. Like Eglinton has just been like a shit show for like years. Um but I saw a TikTok the other day where they're actually running trains on it. And it was just like, holy shit, it lives. That's what they want. That's, a, that's, that's just what they want you to think, Merlin. That's I know. Well, it's, kind of like, it's a TikTok. So I bet you it only moved like 100 feet. And they're like, we could get some viral stuff. Like, this just <laughs> bought us three more years of construction. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to go a full 100 feet. Just let it show that it's moving. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's only thirty seconds. It's a TikTok. It's just enough to bait the kids. But yeah, I mean, it it could very well be online just in time for you to add to your project. So for these projects, are you thinking of doing them as like books or like what is your idea with them? So my my idea for the um, the TTC one, I want to do it in volumes, and each volume be like a subway line. That's kind of what I was uh what I was like kind of like planning originally. So I'd have, like, volume one be, like, the young line. Volume two would be, like, the bluer line. Um, and I would ideally like to do that as books just for my own, like, like completeness. Uh, the Polaroid portraits, I would probably do that as, like, like a, a zine or a book. But, like, I want to be able to, like, see them first before I really make a decision. I might just make it, like, a digital, um, a digital log of things. But um, that's kind of where I'm at with those two kind of, like, projects. Those are the two that are kind of, like ruminating or like brewing in the back of my brain right now but what about you would you got i know before you left toronto you're doing um a photo project with the polar I, I don't think it was necessarily polaroids but of um i think it was like bodegas around queen street weren't you yeah so before i, I get on to my one there do you remember when they used to call the transit system the rocket yeah i was going to call my book ride the rocket <laughs> yes <laughs> And it'd be Ride the Rocket Volume 1, Ride the Rocket Volume 2. I had an entire, like, you don't understand, Merlin. Like, this was, like, I was, like, deep into this. I was, like, yeah, I could totally do it. I had, like, like layout of everything of how I was going to do it. And it's, like, yeah. I had a whole plan. Well, you still have time. You can still do it. I mean, so the first time I ever went to Toronto, um, I rode the rocket. Um, yeah, you did. I was drunk on the way back. And I was just like staring at, I was take because I was staying in Markham, so I had to take the the line uh, that stopped in Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that's blur line, yeah, all the way. Yeah, and then I had to take like a bus from Kennedy to like get to my hotel. It was like some shit corporate hotel, and it was like, I was not super stoked about having to stay in Markham for a month. Um, <laughs> I just remember being drunk on. TTC and looking up at this like map and it just said ride the rocket and I thought that was just like the most hilarious so I stole a sign and no one stopped me which I thought was interesting but I was just like I guess who's gonna like fuck with the really drunk dude at like one in the morning on the train that's like need sign cackling <laughs> <laughs> you know what I need right now this sign yeah yeah I don't I think it's probably in my shit in Kamloops or something. One day I'll be reunited with it. I always wanted to like put it in a light board back so that it would like light up and you can see. 
all the shit. I mean, it's probably not accurate now because like that was 2000. Yeah, it was like 2000 when I stole that sign. Okay. Yeah. Which means I can't get in trouble for it now because like that's over 10 years. So it's like any law enforcement listening right now like that. I didn't steal anything. What are they going to do now? It's like they're not going to knock on your door in like British Columbia and be like, oh, we hear that you have a sign from 10 years ago. But I mean, that just. I wonder why they stopped calling it the rocket. I don't know. I should ask a question. Um, But yeah, I was working, still am, on a follow up to my Queen City Bodega's book. Um which uh, the first book was just storefronts in medium format on the Bronica six by six. I want to do a follow-up though. And I'm working on it. I started shooting it a bit before I left Toronto and I had like this grand ambition of like doing shooting across Canada and finding convenience stores across Canada. Um, but just didn't end up getting a chance to do that. Um, but I want to do like an exterior shot on pack film um, with FP100 and then a series of interior shots on 35 millimeter with Superior 1600. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shot like four places before I left. Like Becca went with me on an adventure and we found some places on the East End. Um, and then I was like bummed out because I'm like, I didn't get a chance to shoot much while I drove across Canada. So like, this is just like a dead project. But I've noticed like there's a lot more convenience stores sort of poking around here in Vancouver. So okay. I spend some time and track those guys down and kind of have like the few in Toronto and then capture um, whatever I can find here in Vancouver. Um, and if I could find like 20 or so locations, then that would be all right. Cause the first book was 20, it was like 24 um, locations I did in that one. So if I could find similar to that, do the follow-up and I was thinking of calling it like Canadian convenience or something. Um, Cause that was a comment that a lot of people that got the first book had was like, it's cool to see the outside, but what does the inside look like? Um, okay. And it's all, it was also just interesting to hear from people on how important the convenience stores were in their communities, like how they were almost like community hubs. And so it was like, it was where people would go meet up or people got to know the owners and like the owners would like, you know, hook them up with food if they were like, you know, short or whatever. And they'd be like, you know, payday next week, just get get me next week kind of thing. Um, and it was just sort of interesting to like hear how important those places were to local community and, uh, it's kind of sad that they're disappearing now for sure yeah yeah and then i've got the quarantineroids project um yeah this guy i'm gonna be putting this one for pre-order here soon um yeah this is 53 days of Polaroid during the first lockdown. Um, and yeah, it's just sort of like a journey of my madness through um, lockdown 1.0. Um, 
I had to stop doing it though because it was getting really expensive because it was only supposed to be two weeks and I was just like that's cool I could do two weeks of uh I could do two weeks of Polaroid and you know it was like 53 days like that was a month and a half basically and I was like this is not ending you're doing like a Polaroid a day or at least one Polaroid a day so that was yeah the, the mission was to do one Polaroid a day. Sometimes it was just one, sometimes it was two or more. Um, and then I started experimenting with different ones. So most of it was shot with the uh, One Step Plus because I was stuck in my apartment by myself. And so um, it was really the only way that I could easily do self-portraiture because you can do the remote mode with it and stuff. Okay. Uh, but then I also, there's a couple shots in there from the Impossible i1, which is an absolute piece of shit of a camera, but a fun creative tool if you can manage how much of a turd it is. Um, it has like a weak, weak flash, which is like the equivalent of like, you know, when you have a shower and the water pressure is so low that it feels like the shower is like tinkling pee on you that's like what the i1 flash is like as far as lighted it's like a poof of light instead of a so it's just like a tiny little trinkle of light yeah it's terrible because it doesn't even really have like a real flash on it um here so whoever was the fucking genius behind this i don't know why but it, it's not a real flash. It's just LEDs. There's eight LEDs on the front of it that kind of blink really brightly, but it's not bright enough to even trigger like strobes to slave off of it. So, like that's, that's pretty sad. It it is super sad because I thought, well, at the very least, I could use this to, um, you know, trigger my like slave my alien bees off of it and actually get some real light. Um, but it didn't even work for that. So, um, when I did shoot with this one though, I experimented with, uh, I have a couple led light panels. And so I mm -hmm. set up led light panels to light me up, um, and then shot with this and that, that worked uh, fairly well. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's kind of a, a shit camera. Oh, and I just realized it's been on this whole time. The battery is probably fucked in it. Um, yeah, but this was like a drunk purchase because B&H had them for like 20 bucks or something. So yeah, for bought, sure. 100%. Yeah, so I bought like four of them because I'm like, this seems like a good idea. And I'll just, it's so cheap, I'll buy four. And I'm like, these are total pieces of crap. But okay. it's just like the, the, the mindset is like, it's 20 bucks. Yeah, I'll buy four. But I know with one, I'm just like... Well, because I, I gave one to a friend, and um, yeah, so like this was, this was experimenting with the eye type. So that was um, on the, the uh, I1 with um, using uh, an LED panel off to the side. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's not, it's not awful. It's just annoying, because you have to like, you have to waste film. So this was like when I was trying to slave my strobe. And so this lighting is just the modeling light off of my alien bee. And then okay, in yeah. my eyes, you can see the sh fucking shit attempt of a flash 
that the i1 tried to do that's that's the fucking flash right there in my glasses reflection that's how weak it is so were all your were all your photos uh self-portraits not all of them um some of them were just like this was a day that i really phoned it in because i was just like oh i need to like take a shot but i fucking don't feel creative at all so here's my ceiling fan I'm not going to lie to you, Merlin. I've done 365 projects and 52 projects with the Polaroid. I've 100% done shots like that. At least yours is kind of creatively, like, artistically, like, shot. Mine's just like, here's a picture of my cat, I guess. So, I'm going to say it on here. Well, it's just going to be on the internet forever. This idea came up because I was high on mushrooms. Um, (laughs) It was the second day of being on lockdown and uh, a friend came by to drop off eggs and then we ended up doing distant mushrooms on my porch and uh, as I was like sitting there and the trees were like doing what the trees do when you're on mushrooms I took this picture and I was just like this is kind of badass I like this Um, and then this fucking balloon fucked with me so this balloon like rolled up my alley. You've been to my old house in Toronto there. It rolled up the alleyway and it sat at the end of my like fucking driveway in front of my house, just bouncing. It was just sitting there. And I'm like, I'm going to take a picture of that. Cause that looks wild. I run in the house to grab the Polaroid and I go out. And as soon as I started walking up to it, it just started tearing ass down the alleyway. So that photo is like me chasing a balloon high on mushrooms, trying to take a picture of it. That's what kicked off this book. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be going for pre-order here um, probably in the next couple of weeks. I was planning on doing it before I left Toronto, but then um, trying to move and do a pre-order just seemed like a really terrible idea. Yeah, probably better that you waited till after you moved to, you know, do the thing. Yeah. And I, I'll admit this to you. This isn't a real, on the front cover, it's not a real Polaroid. What? It kind of, okay, so it is, but it isn't. So it is actually on a, like, it, it's a scanned Polaroid. Mm-hmm. But it's a 35 millimeter shot that I turn into a Polaroid using an instant lab. Because I like the stay home message. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't want to totally cheat and just put it in a fake Polaroid frame. So I was like, it's not total cheating if I use mm-hmm. the impossible lab to make a Polaroid of it and then scan that because it technically is a Polaroid then. I what mean, you- like, I give you partial credits because it is technically still a Polaroid. So, like... Yeah. But that just, you just like, my mind blown. My mind has been blown. When I felt like it wasn't totally cheating because it's just the cover image. It's not in anywhere else in the book. Like, all the actual images in the book are all real legit Polaroids and they're all unpublished. I haven't put them anywhere and I probably will not put them anywhere but the book. Um, I did, I tried shooting Polaroid in 4x5 on it and that was kind of interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I, I fucked it up a bunch. Like, the book is mostly just me fucking up Polaroid a lot and getting bored of being stuck in my house during quarantine. Um, because, like, holy shit, did it ever suck. And then also kind of, like, when I first started getting out of the house a little bit, when things started, like, sort of relaxing a bit, um, I kind of, like, escaped the house. And, uh, yeah, it was just, like, one guy's tale of lockdown. I mean... I kind of like that. It shows kind of like, because especially because you did a lot of like self-portraits in there from the ones I could see. And even though your photo of like, just like your ceiling fan, that's how just kind of is like almost not quintessential, but it's just like a very good depiction of just like, this is all I can do right now is sit and just stare at the ceiling kind of like idea. At least that's how I'm interpreting it. I don't know if that's what the intention was, but like, I kind of like. <laughs> like this one, new book title, Fucking Up Polaroids. A lot. I mean, <laughs> so that could just be something I, I mean, made. an entire box of that, so. <laughs> yeah, like, I've got thousands of Polaroids I could scan and put into another series of fucking up Polaroids a lot. Yeah, and I can see the title now, written in Comic Sans. <laughs> <gasps> don't forget that's a word art to there. That's a word art, why don't you? That'd be terrible. Um, but I did nerd out on the cover of this one a little bit. So this is the actual font that Polaroid uses for their text and for their um, logo. Okay. And I figured out how to steal it because I also stole it for stickers. I, stole the I just think you had the, like, the, the Merlin uh, photography stickers. I don't know where they are right now. But yeah, I, I ripped off the old Polaroid Originals logo to make stickers. And I was like, they're totally going to sue me. But then, like, shortly after I did that, they changed the logo to, like, that new boring Polaroid one. And I was just yeah, like, yeah. not going to get sued. Heck yeah. Maybe I will now that I brought it up. If someone... No, no, you're fine. You're fine. They got a new yeah, logo. They're fine. Like, I think you should totally do the TTC one, because, like, I would buy the shit out of Ride the Rocket volume one through however many volumes you make. I don't know how many they have right now, but, I know, it's still one of those things that, like, I might still end up doing, but, and you think that, like, because, like, nobody's been, like, riding, not a lot of people have been, like, on, like, uh, public transit lately, not nearly as much as when I was first concocting the idea of this, like, this book. Um, I'd be doing it now, but, I don't know, my work's been really busy, so I just, like, finally finished like a busy season like a couple of days ago like it ended on monday so it's a little bit quieter now so maybe i'll do like a random day trip into the city or something and just stop at every st subway station and just like take a photo yeah just spend like a day doing it that's it was part of like my plan of how i was going to do it just take like a day and just like literally ride the ttc and stop at every stop that would be an interesting day it'd be a long day yeah. Yeah, because, like, how many stops are... Like, it's over 20 stops on the lines, right? There's way more than 20 stops. I think... Yeah. Oh, how many is it? I don't know. I looked it up at one point, but I don't remember it. But I think, like, even the Young Line, the the U, that one's, like, definitely more than 20 stops. 
So there's 75 stations divided into four lines, apparently. All right, well, there you go, then. Yeah. From the Canadian Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia? Yeah. To be fair, one of those lines is, like, the Scarborough line or whatever. That's just, like, a little offshoot. That's only, like, I think that one's only, like, ten stops. Five or ten stops is one is one of them, so. Hey, man, all lines matter. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, that's the Shepard Young one, right? It's, like, Shepard, Bayview, Bessaleron. Bessaleron? I don't fucking, what is this? Oh, this map's from 2017, so it might be different now. So does your 2017 map include the extension of, uh, I think it's the Young Line? So it goes up to, like, Pioneer Village? Yeah, yeah. It's got Pioneer Village in Vaughan Metropolitan, Highway 47. You know which one kills me, though? Is on the, uh, what is the green one? The the passenger train? Blur line? The Blur Line no. one? No, um, the GO train. Oh, the GO train, yeah. <laughs> the Government of Ontario train? Yes, yeah, that train? So, out, out in, like, the fucking, in Markham or whatever, maybe it's, like, out towards, like, you know, like in, in, like, North York, but there's a stop there that kills me, because it's just called Old Comer. <laughs> It's just so ridiculous. Like it's it's even spelt like the 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 pervy way too. Like, yeah. I know yeah, which one know. you're talking about too, actually, which is both hilarious and sad. But yeah, it just every. I mean, like I'm like a child, so like of course every time I drive past, it's like old comer. <laughs> like I know what you're talking about. We're we're adults. This is very serious chat that we're having right now about old comer. I don't know what adult means. Um, I'm I'm terrible at that. But there is, there still is a, a homage to the rocket. Um, bus 192 is called the airport rocket. And it goes from Kipling to the airport. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. Because Kipling yeah. is the station to get on to, to get downtown. So. But, yeah. The bus is covered with passport, like, paraphernalia. Yeah. It's very interesting. I wonder if this Canadian encyclopedia has anything about residential schools. I'd be curious about that. I feel like they try to brush a lot of things, like, under a rug, and then, you know, next thing you know... What happened? Was it on the weekend? Kind of explodes and just brings about. Yeah. Yeah, that's been. So, what has the climate been like in, out, like out east, in in light of that news? Like, have you noticed anything in in your neck of the woods since that discovery in Kamloops has been made? Um. Well, I've only really been like confined into like my little 400 square foot apartment but um from what i've gathered from like the peoples on the internet it's uh it's not been great mm. just because like it's kind of big like for the people for the for 
the people at home that don't necessarily know what happened, essentially, they found, was it, like, a an unmarked grave that had, like, 215... It was, uh, it was a grave of 215 children ranging from three years old up into teens. Yeah, just, like, right by, like, a, an old residential school, or it was, like, right underneath it or something like that, which yeah, is, that's, on... that's just... Sorry, go ahead. This is dark. I was going to say, it's, that's just, like, a dark thing when you think about it. When I first saw it online, I thought... Like I, I was like mistaken. I was like, oh no, this is a residential school that had that had like a grave, like a mass grave that just had this many kids, which is just like it's baffling that this happened. It's baffling, but I'm also like not surprised, just kind of given like Canada's history with residential schools in general. But it's just like the the magnitude of it was just like it it kind of shocked me. And I know that for most of the people that I know in this area, we were also all kind of like similar to me. It's just like, well, I'm not super surprised, but it's, it's not, it's not a good thing, essentially. How's it been for you? Cause you're, you're no. right by like, UC. Yeah. Right? So it kind of hit close to home for me because like I lived in Kamloops for quite a while. Most of my family is still in Kamloops. Um, so it's like Kamloops has been a place that I've called home several times in, in my life and feel connected to. Um, and that was where the residential school where they found this, um, this mass grave was located is in, in the Kamloops uh, region. Um, and it, it's been upsetting for a lot of people here, like unsurprising because like the genocide is still happening today so even though residential schools closed in in the 90s um they didn't close because they're like oh this is a terrible idea and we need to stop doing it they closed them because it's like this is getting expensive and we need to find a more efficient way to continue the genocide of indigenous people and so instead of bringing the kids into um residential schools they just started using foster care programs more and putting the kids into foster programs and letting the awful things happen there. Um, You know, it's, it's upsetting and disappointing. And I don't, I I don't like, and I know like there's been a lot of people saying a similar thing on the internet where they're like, Oh, this is like a dark moment in Canadian history. And it's like, no, it's, it's not, just a dark moment in Canadian history. It's the foundation of what Canada was built on. It's like this is like the start of like that moment, I guess maybe, but like this is like not new. It's not stopped. I mean like even was it like the pipelines where they're like saying essentially where did I hear this? Might have been you might have been talking about it last week when you're talking to um to Eric. But like with the pipelines it's just like well like if somebody tries to stop you then you know just like take care of it. <laughs> on site well that's a thing that it's like it it's interesting canada has this like you know um sort of look that we're this like yeah happy great utopia like my american friends all the time like oh my god like why is this like canada's not supposed to be like that it's like we're pretty fucked here like you know it's this country was built on the blood of indigenous and people of color like the shit that happened to um, Asian people while the railway was being built was fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, that 
RCMP was effectively invented to manage indigenous people and, you know, managed is a very kind way to put, kill them if they fall out of line, help the church steal children from homes and stuff. And, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's a really fucked up thing because like, they, <clears throat> up until like, I guess now where everything is so much easier to get information out and share information with people, they've done a pretty good job of mitigating the role that the Canadian government and the church has had in all of this. And they kind of played up, well, there are some bad actors in there. It's like, no, this is, this whole system was built bad. And, um, you know, there, there is no good intentions at all in this system. So how, how can it be good? <clears throat> like, you know, lowering flags half mast and, you know, fucking half-hearted apologies aren't enough like the the government needs to like step up and take full admission and be more accountable and actually start making reparations oh sorry just a second um start making reparations to indigenous people because like you know it's just it's gone on too long and like people that, that did like committed these murders and these crimes are still alive today. Um, yeah. Like that, that's a thing that's wild. And the way that the Indian act was built is that there's no way to actually criminally charge any of these people for the murders and, and the abuse that they did to, to people. They're protected by, um, by that, which is, absolutely crazy like we're still charging nazis today for the war, war crimes that they committed um against the you know jewish populations and, and colored populations um in in germany but there's literally murderers walking around us today that completely scot-free and like that that's a wild thing to think about that's pretty wild yeah that's just yeah <clears throat> Yeah, like it's a little bit just, of a bitter taste in your mouth. Yeah, it it's a, it's a bit of a dark thing. So, um, <clears throat> with Northern Film Collective, we we're working on some preliminary stuff to maybe do a fundraiser with um, with the photographer in Kamloops um, to do like a like a print um, a print run for donation. So. Um, I've just been working out details on that, on, um, how we're going to get prints and things like that. And, um, hopefully have some sort of announcement, um, on NFC in the coming weeks to try and raise some money for, um, the, the band out there because, um, yeah, it's just, as, as settlers here, like we, we need to try and do more um, and, you know, acknowledge that, you know, just even our presence here is, is kind of part of the problem. And, yeah. you know, we just need to educate ourselves and um, help where we can. So, um, yeah, any photographers out there that live, um, 
in communities with with reservations, uh, especially indigenous photographers, um, feel free to reach out to me because um, if this initial uh, project for Camloops goes well, um, we'd like to expand it out and um, do like a print run for each community um, with like a photographer from that community and then donate that money to that local community um, once the print run is, is wrapped up. Sure. I'll try to keep my eyes open for when you make yeah. that announcement on NFC. So. Definitely. Um, the Smoky Smoke says the Australian film Rabbit Proof Fence is worth watching. It's interesting to see how many governments made the same terrible decisions and refused to be accountable for their actions. Well, I mean, there, so Australia is an interesting one because they're also um, part of the Commonwealth. And so all of this stems from Britain for the most part. Like, you know, this, this came from how the royal family um, did their colonizing and like even the states because like you know the u.s even though they broke off and did their own thing they started as a british colony um so that doesn't surprise me that australia would have similar things and like it was a really fucked up thing to learn recently that like um the queen uh, queen elizabeth she visited kamloops um at one point and took 10 children like she hand selected 10 children to go on a picnic with her and those kids never came back. What? And yep, yeah, she just she no one knows what happened to the kids. They just know that the queen handpicked ten children from the residential school to go on a picnic with her and they they never came back. That's that's messed up. That's really messed yeah. up. The, the power of white people, I guess. Like so, you know, I, it's, it's awful and traumatizing for a lot of the survivors because, I mean, there's still so many people alive today that are products of the residential school program and um, are still, still haunted by it, for sure. Like, I mean, we're not even a generation out of having residential schools being part of our... Um, of our world here in Canada. Um, so there just, there needs to be a lot of work done to, to address it. And um, accountability has to be made, like, you know, from our perspective, like all we can really do is like do our best to educate ourselves, to understand it better, and to learn how to be allies and, um, oh. you know, find ways to support if we can but the biggest one is just getting a better understanding of, of what actually happens with indigenous communities in in our country because a lot of people have very poor opinions of it and um you know that's an unfortunate stereotype that has been you know perpetuated by the culture that we live in that isn't necessarily true at all but is also valid in some ways. And like, I mean, the trauma that a lot of these families have gone through also expected in a kind of way. Cause like, if you were robbed 
from your family or you had your children robbed from you that's not really going to set you up to you know be having like that you're, you're not going to continue to have a normal life after that you're going to have some trauma from that and this is something that a lot of people don't think of they're just like oh they get free handouts from the government and things like that and it's just like no that's not that's not it at all um so we got a lot of work to do to just be better to each other yeah yeah sorry that got kind of heavy there well it's it's also been like kind of like recent too that like it happened like i don't think it was even a full week ago that this was like discovered like the the thing can was discovered right so like it's still pretty well, fresh so the, the thing that's like even more disturbing about it is like this is just the start like there were there was hundreds of residential schools in canada so if this happened in Kamloops, it, it happened everywhere else. So Which is the unfortunate thing, yeah. It is. But we all, we seem to get into the heavy talks there. You guys really you guys really got me on the CCR recording there between you and James. Stuff got kinda heavy on that one. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So happy things. That's all I do is talk about happy things. No. Um, yeah, we get sometimes a little serious. I don't know if you do this. I don't listen to episodes that I've been on. I kind of do that on purpose, but. So I, I was scared to listen to mine um, because I got a little ranty about Canadian film photographers and Pete and all of that yeah and um i was a little worried if like you know i maybe went a little overboard on it so i was like scared to listen but um i don't think i did <laughs> a lot of people seem to give him the feedback that it, it wasn't terrible so i didn't really have anything to worry about i don't think i don't think you went too too ranty i feel like some things are just kind of like or topics that need to be talked about or things that just like you can't like you know sweep under the rug and like with respect to you know, Canadian film photographers just like kind of like the way that they handle things and just the kind of like treatment sometimes is like a little bit um I go I gonna use the phrase a little bit out there and so like it's just like something that's like worth mentioning just like same thing with uh like film community and like and like female photographers or like as well or photographers of like people of color or or that how like they don't get as much exposure as an example as well and just like dealing with that as well i mean get a little dark sometimes a little a little serious i guess but yeah like it, i don't know it's female photographers have enough bullshit to deal with as it is and so like i don't know i've definitely struggled with how sexist that that group seems to be but then also like learning he was kicked out of um the toronto film um shooters for being like inappropriate towards women during an event i was just like not surprising but very disappointing that like you know this person who has been kicked out of other organizations mm -hmm. for inappropriate behavior is now like 
running their own organization and starting to plan their own events. And so it's just like, who's going to be the check and balance there when he's the one that's running the event and likely going to be the perpetrator of this bad behavior? Yeah, I try not to think about that too much. <laughs> I know, but it's just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm glad COVID's kind of happened because it's like prevented him from being able to plan any like live events, but like, you know, his whole thing forward willing, um, you know, he's, he's trying to plan some events and I'm just like, ugh, I really hope that like, he, he doesn't end up being a creep and like gets all predatory on, um, people in the community. Cause it's just like, y'all already have enough to be fucking dealing with than having to like worry about like fucking creepy old men being gross to you while you're trying to have fun doing something that you love. Yeah, why can't people just like not be creepy and just like, let's just take our cameras and just take photos of fun stuff and then just like just enjoy that moment. Why Why does there have to be this underlying like weirdness? Like, I, I don't understand. So... I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's an odd thing. It, maybe it like ties into um... It ties into like mental health stuff, you know. Some people just need to get more help, which would that was an interesting thing on on the CCR episode with you guys. Like James, James really surprised the shit out of me. And um, Beck had mentioned that like he had really done his homework on her stuff, and I was surprised at how much homework he had done on me. <laughs> like, James is a good one. It was, yeah, the fact that he went and read my blog, I was just like, oh, fuck, I totally forgot that that's even out there. And there's some pretty dark, raw shit on that one. Um, so that that kind of took me by surprise a little bit um, when, uh, when he started up his questioning. Not in a bad way, but it was just uh, unexpected. Yeah, no, James did his homework. You'll be happy to know that I didn't do my homework during that episode. I literally walked in from like <laughs> from working and I was like, okay, let's sign on to Zoom and <laughs> do this yeah, call. Great, you asked plenty of great questions and, and Bill did great and um, it, was, it was fun chatting with you guys. I thought for sure that y'all would have like edited that, that down because we talked for like two hours. I, I was surprised to see that it just went out there just as it was. I thought it was a really good chat. I mean, like, because I was also on the one with uh, uh, with Brandy, and I was on the one with uh, with Danielle as well. Um, when uh, when Bill did like his interview with uh, with them, and those one also essentially went out like full episode too. So Brandy is great. I miss her a lot. I can't wait until the world opens up again so I can finally go see her. I'm kind of like fingers crossed hoping that the border opens up this like late summer or fall um so that i could go to policon this year um because they've announced it it's like the last weekend of september policon's okay. be happening so I miss all my texas homies it's been For like sure. two years since i've been down to texas 
So. Has it been two years? Because you went on a trip last year, didn't you? Right before. Well, so that that was to San Francisco. Um, oh, okay. So I I didn't get to see all of the instant camera homies, um, just the ones that live out in the West Coast. Um, and like a couple dudes came out from Texas, but Armand didn't end up coming out. But Daniel and Andy came out from Texas. And uh, they bolted early because they were worried about being able to fly home, which, you know, not an unreal thing to be scared about at that moment because, like, you know, they shit shut down the next day. So that's kind of fucked up. I talk about that in the book. There's like a there's there's a long story time in, in the back of the book where I kind of like explain what happened and. uh the joys of covid for sure yeah i remember my cousin was telling me a story where like she was trying to take her kids to uh for, like march break i don't remember where they're going they're going somewhere and then they're kept like looking at the news for like okay like can we still like kind of go to like wherever it is that they went to i think they went to like i want to say they went to like somewhere in europe but it might not have been europe i just don't remember where it is that they went and it ended up being like less than 24 hours later they found out that the airport was like shutting down essentially saying like we're not taking any flights and so forth so they had to like scramble to like change all their plane tickets to like come back to canada so yeah not an unreal uh worry that if you're flying somewhere so definitely not yeah it made for a weird year last year so. It was an interesting year. When things open up again, though, what what is the first thing that you can't do today that you want to go do when it's safe again? I haven't even thought that far ahead. I've been like, well, like, I, I work in like kind of like accounting, so like, uh, I've just been my my head's been down like in like work mode up until like this past Monday. That's but I right. think when things open up again, I'd really like to see some people that I haven't seen in a really long time. I think, like, kind of, like, visiting, like, I have a couple friends in, like, in Cambridge. I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see them, because it's been, like, a very long time. Um, and, you know, obviously, open mouth kissing everybody I see, all, all the strangers, you know, that's definitely, that's definitely on the list. Of course, you, you gotta do yeah, that. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Once everyone's all vaccinated and things are open again, there's just going to be so many orgies. <laughs> <laughs> just like on every street corner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll just be like... <laughs> it's gonna I was going to have this other really weird vision of what Can is all about. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Then we'll have some other, like, fucking epidemics to deal with there. Um... <laughs> Because apparently, uh, what is it, Manitoba and Saskatchewan have been in a in a battle um, lately for who has the most chlamydia in their province. And Saskatchewan was like leading the chlamydia charge for years, but recently has been dethroned by Manitoba. So um, probably don't do orgies in the prairies. So don't. Okay, yeah, I, I'll try not to, I'll try to remember that when yeah. I go on my Canada-wide tour of, yeah, just I'm, not of... Gonna finish that. I'm not going to finish that now. 
<laughs> of open mouth kissing strangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just get a big van. It's like Chrissy's Canada Wide Tour, open mouth kissing strangers. You can just have like kissing booths on the back. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's uh, that's how it's going to happen. <laughs> Got to be yeah. from a van, too, like a white, unmarked van. Exactly. You could just, like, have free kisses on the side of it. And have one of the S's, like, backwards. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, Zed's kisses. <laughs> <laughs> I miss hugs, but also... Hugs are definitely something I definitely miss. But um... also, kind of, like... Like it's it's kind of weird. It's like I miss them, but also I'm just like I don't know, I don't know if I really from like down or handshakes. It's like you know. I can't remember the last time I gave someone a handshake. That seems wow. Seems dangerous now, right? You're just like yeah. I don't, don't keep your fucking filth paws away from me. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What do you want to do first thing when when the world opens up again? Well, I want to go see my dogs. I miss them. So visit my dogs and hang out with my nieces and nephews. And um, then go to the States. I got a bunch of friends in Seattle I want to go see. A bunch of friends in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A bunch of people in Boston and um, Los Angeles and Chicago, and uh, the Bay Area. So it's just, yeah, a lot of people that I have not been able to see for a long time that I'd like to catch up with. The Smoky Smoke says, handshakes are bullshit, hugs are where it's at. I have to agree with the Smoky Smoke. Hugs are amazing. I love hugs. I miss hugs. Yeah, but he's a gropey pervert, so I mean, that that's where he's coming from with it. Love you, David. Oh, also, I don't know how I feel now. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. I'm kidding. <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's right. Hugs are where it's at. Yeah. You know? You never really lived until you've, like, hugged another man and caressed, like, the, just that little spot there. Just to, like, let them know how, how important they are to you. <laughs> <laughs> David, uh, the Smoky Smoke, was one of my photo compadres that I miss dearly from Toronto. We oh. used to go take pictures and eat greasy Chinatown barbecue um, at um, River Riverside Park. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we would sit on these ping pong tables and just, like, eat in the park there and... Uh, it was nice to get out a little bit last summer. <laughs> I like to suck a little earlobe on the first hug. I mean, that's, as long, yeah, Riverdale. That's it, Riverdale. Um, that's a little creepy. I don't... I've never done the earlobe thing on a hug. That's um, shit. I'm glad you never did that to me, David. <laughs> yeah. oh, these are the don't do's. Okay, I should make a list of this. Yeah, writing down notes for like when things open up again. Like, <laughs> do uh, not. 
Yeah. But visit people in Seattle, that'd be good for you because you're like right there in like Vancouver. It's like literally just like a straight shot. So. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours to Seattle, and um, flights are a lot cheaper from there. So we'll probably end up doing is like driving down to Seattle, visiting friends there, and then flying out of Seattle to go places. Um, luckily, my work is easy to do remote, so like I can just go like work from Seattle for a bit and then travel around. So yeah. Nice. With any luck, I could do some travel without having to take too much time off, which is very lucky to have a job that is that accommodating. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I, I would really like to go see my niece and nephew, though. I miss those guys. Aww. Yeah, trying to get them into photography, so I bought them all digital cameras. Um, and, like, I gave my niece a Canon Digital Rebel for her birthday a couple years ago, <clears throat> which she's done, like, a lot of cool stuff with. Um, but they've gotten into skateboarding recently, so I wanted to get them something that could record video, so I bought a bunch of, like, cheap old Canon Power Shots. Okay. And um, they were just hilarious with them. Like, they just, like, went nuts. They figured out how to do... Se- like, the first thing both of them did was selfies. And they're like six and seven. I was about to ask how old they were because I was kind of curious. But yeah, and there's just like they're doing selfies, they're taking videos of themselves and stuff. And like my one nephew, he's so adorable. He wants to be a YouTube star, like for doing stunts and stuff. And so he's like up on the monkey bars doing all this crazy stuff. And he's like, "Mom, mom, mom, you got a vid- you got a video of me for my fans." I got I got to make a video for my fans. <laughs> it was just the cutest thing because he's like, "Hey guys, what's up? I'm gonna show you how to do a backflip off the monkey bars. All right, let's do it." <laughs> he's like, "Mom, did you get that?" <laughs> That's adorable. It was super adorable, but just, just like we really start watching like American Ninja Warrior, then all of a sudden, oh, they're. They're both like little freaking ninja kids. It's it's a bit insane. So I miss them. I really want to go spend time with them when it's safe. So it's like it's nice being closer to them, but like I still can't go visit them because of like COVID restrictions and stuff. And like yeah. So are they in Kamloops area or are they in? They're they're in Kamloops, yeah. Okay. So hopefully things open up soon. I mean, like. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Vaccination rates are going up, and um, you know, David can get back to sucking earlobes in no time. It's priorities, Marlon. It's all about priorities. It is. You got to have the priorities. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate you coming on the chat with me, and uh, thanks for inviting me. This fun. Course. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to make some dinner now, though. It's getting yeah. pretty late for you over there now, too, eh? What time is it? It's almost 10, your time. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's kind of late. Time flies. Yeah, apparently. Well, I really appreciate you spending some time with me and everyone hanging out with us on the chat here. Um, if you don't follow... Um, Chris on the Instagrams yet you really should 
Uh, she goes by Wutography, which I know is your last name, but it makes me think of Wu Tang every time I see her thing. Where it's just like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> like, Wutography is for the children. <laughs> if you ever. You should make t shirts that, like, say that. I'll be my next teacher and I'll send it over to you. How about that? Photography for the kids. Yeah, photography is for the children, just like Wu Tang. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then next week I've got uh, Codename Leon, aka KL Martin. He's going to be on the chat. Looking forward to chatting with him and uh, hearing about his adventures with film and uh, with Super 8. So it should be nice. fun. Yeah. Fun. So thank you. Ben. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me on. This has been a pleasure. It has, yeah, the pleasure is all on this side here. But <laughs> stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk to all you guys soon. All right. Have a good night. Good night. Bye.